0: And that's why we're here. That's why God brought us to the, the rich suburbs of Minneapolis together on this little corner for that. So that Brighton's lookalikes, fourth-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 24-year-olds here could believe that in this big world, God saw them and loved them. And loved them enough that he was letting us be an instrument around the world so that brightens of all ages in all places might believe that there is a God and that God loves them. And that's why we believe these first 60 years are a prelude to the great things that God has for us ahead. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, for us, 60 years is a lifetime. It's a long, long, long time. And for you, the God for whom a thousand years are a watch in the night, 60 years is the blink of an eye. I pray, God, that just as you have spoken so often here and sent us out there, you would speak this morning here and send us out there by your great word. Amen. Hey, great time. Um, Frederick Beekner is one of my heroes. He's a Presbyterian uh, pastor. But his ministry is not in a church, it's in books. He's an author. He is a a multiple Pulitzer Prize-nominated author of all kinds of literature, uh, but he doesn't get to preach a lot. And so one time, he was asked to come and speak uh, to a church in New England, in uh, Rupert, Vermont, this beautiful little congregational church was celebrating its 200th anniversary. 200, let's not get cocky. (laughs) It's 200th anniversary. They asked Beekner to come, and, and this is how he started his message. He said, happy birthday. Happy birthday to this old church, which was organized 200 years ago, the day before yesterday, with seven members and a pastor who had the very unpromising name of Increase Graves. We got lucky, Roger. (laughs) Happy birthday to this old building which has seen howling blizzards and scorching summer days even before the road that stands on it ever thought of being paved when the air was thick with horses, hooves, and wagon wheels. Happy birthday because more than an organization, more than a building, a church is the people who come to pray and sing and fidget, and dream, to shed a tear if some word strikes the heart, to try to keep a straight face if the soloist strikes a sour note, never happened here, strikes a sour note, or somebody's hearing aid keeps buzzing, or somebody's cell phone goes off. So happy birthday. That's a great tone that Beekner set, and it's true right here too. Since 1956, people have been fighting construction traffic on Normandale. (laughs) It's the truth. Long before it became Route 100, they came here the way that you and I got here this morning. Men and women who grew up in the Depression and fought in the Second World War and widows of those who did not come back from Korea and Vietnam and the Middle East. Since the very first steeple went up we have seen a battle for human rights and civil rights we've watched a man on the moon the second steeple was put up in the midst of the cold war and it saw the fall of the berlin wall and the third steeple was put up in time to see the fall of the towers again and new things that make people afraid and wonder about god Sixty years of students and executives, of grandmas and visitors, old men and old women with most of their life behind them, kids and young men and young women with most of their lives ahead of them, entered this building just the way you and I came a few minutes ago because of one thing that they have in common. So happy birthday to all of you who listened to some sermons and dozed through some sermons. And do all the other things that make us a church and and make us human. And before you finish, you have to say, Happy birthday to you, Jesus. I guess it's important to say that, because before this was a Presbyterian church, before this was your church, or Roger's church, or my church, before it was anybody's church, it was Jesus' church. The name Christ Presbyterian Church was chosen deliberately to put the most important thing first, the Word. The Word become flesh, Christ. I mean, if it hadn't been for Jesus, who knows what other kind of building might have stood on this corner? Who knows what kind of honest work that old Increase Graves might have gotten back then or Roger Anderson might have had? Who knows where you and I might be here today. So what does it mean on the 60th birthday of this church to say that this is Jesus' church? It's hard to describe. It really is. The first two people who tried the most to describe who Jesus was, what he did, and what his followers were about were the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. They were so, so different that their words sound very different even talking about Jesus. Paul would have been a Harvard-trained philosophy lawyer today, and he sounded like it when he talked to the church in Ephesus. He said this, by grace you've been saved through faith. Not your effort, it's the gift of God, so no one can boast. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God planned for us long ago. Christ Himself has brought peace to us. By His death on the cross, Jesus put our hostility to death. That that sounds like it, it, it could be the intellectual voice of our day. And it doesn't sound like the Apostle Peter at all. If Paul is Harvard, then Peter is blue collar, he's a fisherman to his roots. And every time he talks about Jesus, it's all about his personal encounter with the man who ruined his life. The man who changed his life. When he sees his fishing boat miraculously overflowing with fish that very first day, it says he runs to the shore and throws himself at Jesus' knees. And he says, oh Lord, please leave me because I'm a sinful man. And for the rest of his life, it's Come here, Jesus. Come here, come here, come here. Get away, Jesus. Get away, get away. Come here, come here. Get away, get away. Harvard-educated lawyer, blue-collar fisherman, same Jesus. So how can they sound like exactly the same person? And they do. This passage right here is Paul to the Ephesians. God is building a home. God is building a home. Regardless of how we got here, God's using all of us in what he's building. He's using the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you. Fitting you together brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. I swear I'm not listening to Paul, I'm listening to Peter because this is how peter described it in his first letter so you are coming to christ who's the living cornerstone of god's temple as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by god and precious to him you too are becoming living stones and you're being built into a spiritual house same language Two different guys, hundreds of miles apart, separated by culture. I think they got that phrase, that image, from some early song of the church, some early confession, and they both use the same thing. Peter is quoting Psalm 118. He says, in Scripture it says, look, I'm laying a stone in Zion, a chosen stone precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's the Old Testament longing for the Messiah to come for Jesus. And then he says this, now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But for those who don't believe, he's a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Jesus is that which around everything revolves. Jesus is the cornerstone, not just of the church, he is the cornerstone of human life on this planet. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of human life on planet Earth. Jesus is the cornerstone in the business of producing living stones. Now, next week, our new pastor, Jake, is going to talk about how that happens in a human life. He's going to talk about Peter. Peter the Rock was really Peter the Rockhead. But Peter the Rock turns into a living stone that shares life. He's going to talk about how that can happen to you or someone that you love. But what I want to talk about today is how does God, how does Jesus turn a church of stone, this big brick church. How does he turn a church of stone into a living stone? One person at a time. Clearly, living stones are formed when you put your heart on the path that Jesus walks. And if you follow him, Jesus takes us to the kingdom of the living stones. And on the way... He shows us real life, hard life, difficult life, but life that spoils you for the shallow stuff of our culture. He's turning you into a living stone. And then the text says, and when we wander from Jesus, and we all do, when we disbelieve that he's the cornerstone, when we disobey the cornerstone, Jesus says that people stumble over him. And they find that God brings even dead people back to the way of life. All this week I've been sitting with this image, the image of cornerstones, but I've been contrasting in my brain the the cornerstone that you see at a building and the gravestones that you see at, at cemeteries. Both of them have dates on them and names on them. Your dates, your name. But they're different. Gravestones point to the end, but cornerstones point to our hope for a new beginning. They're the foundation of a new life. Let me ask you, are you living in the hope of the future, or are you afraid of how the story ends? It affects how you live. Gravestones talk about the past, but cornerstones are about the future. Jesus wants to change your future right now, this morning, and he wants to change our future as a people. Jesus, the cornerstone, keeps prodding people to do things they'd rather not do. Francis of Assisi gives up his possessions. St. Augustine gives up his mistress. John Newton gives up his slaves. Father Damien gives up his health and becomes a leper. And at 70th and 100, the same thing happens. Jesus gives Jim the help that lets him give up alcohol. Carol is freed by Jesus from the hate of the person who sexually abused her. Jesus sets loose young Greg from the all-too-common addiction to pornography. And 90-year-old Dorothy becomes fearless, because Jesus is a cornerstone, fearless, and starts to teach immigrant kids how to speak English. When Jesus becomes the cornerstone of a life, your life, my life. When Jesus becomes the cornerstone, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, we become living stones. On their birthday, every church should ask, is Jesus our cornerstone or is he just one of the bricks in the wall? Is he just one of the things that we talk about? Is he our first thought or our afterthought? Because there's a lot of religion going on That is asking Jesus to bless the American dream. Jesus, please see this my way. Is he our first thought or our afterthought? When Jesus is the cornerstone of your life, he creates a new building. He creates a palace, not just fit for a king, but a palace designed for a child. Long before Walt Disney came and built the Magic Kingdom, little children were coming to Jesus. And as Jesus' followers became living stones, they went out and they pulled unwanted children literally off of the garbage dumps. They saved the children. Today, Jesus has living stones at CPC that are reaching out to love little boys and little girls and young women who have become victims of the sex trade. People at CPC are using their skills as lawyers to get a home back for widows who've been pushed off of their land. Many of you are living stones and you're going and tutoring kids and showing them there is a different life. Someone cares. And when racial tension flares up here, young adults from the table go downtown. They live in the tension and they weep with those who weep. And they try to love both the police and a community in pain. When Jesus is our cornerstone, we do not sit in the pew. It, it, it says at the end of this text, it says, Christ Jesus is the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. So as we celebrate our 60th, is it more than a happy party? Or are you actually going to be united with somebody else in the body today? As we go out and have Famous Daves, will you at least sit at a table? Will you ask somebody else their name and say, what's your story? Where are you on the journey? How has God loved you? Are we united with others in Christ, building something here Who's missing from Jesus' birthday party that should be here next week or next month? Who does Jesus want to love? Does our faith usually feel like a great big party filled with joy that when you drive by it, you hear the music, you go, oh, they're having a good time? Or do people stumble over us? We say they stumble over Jesus. They're not. They're stumbling over us. Instead of Jesus, because they feel judged by us, and so they feel judged by Jesus. Tim Keller says it right. He says, Jesus always goes face to face for conviction and conversion, and never for condemnation or coercion. I love that phrase. Jesus goes face to face for conviction and conversion, and never condemnation, or coercion. When people feel loved, they feel drawn in, they feel safe, then they can see Jesus. We've celebrated so many times, so many ways, over these last 60 years at CPC, it's a joy to do that. And whether it's Rich leading the charge or Roger jumping up and down in celebration, it is a joy to point people to Jesus. That's what I think Frederick Beekner was trying to do with that church so long ago, 200 years old. This is how he finishes. He says this, in the year 1831, this church was repaired and several new additions were made. One of them was a new steeple with a bell and once it was set in place, apparently an extraordinary event took place. When the steeple was added, the local newspaper wrote, Lyman Woodard stood on his head in the belfry (laughs) with his feet toward heaven. That's the only thing we know about Lyman Woodard, but it's enough. I love that. It's crazy. It's risky. I got to stop for just one little rabbit hole. I have tried all week to do this. (laughs) It did not turn out well. I love this, though. It's crazy. It's risky. It's not New England practical. It's not Presbyterian dignified. It puts the whole idea that you're supposed to be solemn in church upside down on its head. It's the joyous faith of a man who wasn't afraid to be a child of the king. If the Lord really is our cornerstone, then everything goes upside down. Being successful gets turned upside down. People and churches, if you stand on your head, then losing becomes finding and weeping becomes laughing. The last become first and the weak become strong. The guilty receive mercy and the self-righteous are sent away ashamed. Instead of life being killed by death, death is swallowed up by eternal life, real life abundant life, starting right now life, and there's no end. And if the Lord is the host at the great feast of heaven, then our feet rest on the table of heaven. And Jesus is the cornerstone. Sweetie, you can get right side up. You could just imagine in your mind's eye that it was me. (laughs) There's so much to be done. So much to be done together here in the next 60 years. We have to help bear each other's burdens. We have to pray for each other. We have to nourish each other. We have to weep with one another and rejoice with each other and give hope. We get to worship together. We have to teach each other Jesus' words of mercy out of the scriptures. And we need to show the mercy and justice of God, especially to those who feel lost and left behind. We have to love each other just the way Jesus does. So on this birthday, let's not forget that it turns people upside down. On top of Jesus' church. This is our church before the steeple goes on. Look at the silhouette on top of the steeple. We need people who join this man up in the belfry with our feet toward heaven because heaven is where we're heading. That's faith. That's faith. It's a little crazy. It's a little risky. It will make tongues wag and it will make heads spin. It brings our deepest joy and our highest hope. Because Jesus is our cornerstone. 60 years, a very good beginning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we are just the people trying to get our balance upside down in the belfry, pointing toward Jesus. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that when we fall down, you will pick us up and put us with the others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.